Welcome to Strategy International, a podcast produced by PodMTL that brings you insightful conversations with experts from all over the world on topics related to international relations and policy, security, defense, environment, and much more. And now, your host, George Santrizos. And good day, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Strategy International. We appreciate it. And we do invite you to check out all the episodes on all audio platforms, as well as YouTube, subscribe and rate the podcast. It definitely helps us. We have another incredible guest with us uh, today. Uh, We're going to discuss some very interesting uh, topics. Dr. Kleanthis Kiriakidis, how are you, sir? Excellent. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a great pleasure and honor. Uh, to share some thoughts uh, with you and your lovely audience. Uh, appreciate your time. Obviously, you have uh, you're a very busy man. I see that you're sporting proudly your little pin from the American University uh, of the Emirates. Uh, just to remind everyone that you are the director over there of the master's program for diplomacy. Uh, and that's very interesting because uh, we're looking at what's happening around the world, especially in Europe and in other um uh, regions where tensions are mounting and it seems as though diplomacy is isn't really working these days it seems to be the absent player in the game well we try to bring back the table coercive diplomacy actually <laughs> in in order to uh, uh try to uh, have peace at last you know some peace in, in in ukraine especially so uh diplomacy even in its coercive um, you know, uh, aspect, uh, it's it's always important. Of course, uh, it's better to deter than to coerce, but uh, we failed as regards that. But we have not failed yet as regards Turkey, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, I, I want to talk to you because obviously you have a very interesting um, a past as a, as a former naval captain. You've been uh, uh, a senior advisor to the Greek uh, na- uh uh, to the Greek uh, government, especially uh, with respect to the naval affairs. Uh, but before we get to that uh, region, because for everyone for anyone following, it is a region of high tension, especially in Europe uh, and amongst NATO allies, of course, which is uh, which is a, a, an area of concern. I want to talk a little bit about a, a, um, an editorial piece that you wrote on history repeating itself. And we're talking specifically about the conflict in Ukraine and Russia. Um, and it's interesting because we had this conversation with um, uh, with another guest on another episode about how similar uh, the, the the illegal invasion of Ukraine was to other episodes we've seen in recent history. Uh, we, we can think of Turkey and Russia in Syria, for example, creating that buffer zone um, a little uh, uh, a little earlier in history, uh, the, the the Turkish invasion of Cyprus. Uh, and it seems as though this is a pattern that is constantly uh, in repetition. We're seeing it actually now uh, in Armenia, uh, in the in the in the area of uh, Artsakh between uh, uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan. These are tactics that uh, seem to constantly come back uh, under the pretext of a nation wanting to protect a cultural minority uh, or claiming that that there is a um, a cultural minority living outside its borders and using that. Um, either to invade or to engage in conflict, we saw that as well in uh, in, in this time around in, in the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. I want to take your I want to pick your brain a little bit on that because you wrote that interesting piece, um, and I'd like to uh, maybe develop that further. Yeah, first of all, uh, 
the official defense policy of, of uh, Russia after the Medvedev doctrine, after the famous Serdyukov reforms, uh, really points out that uh, Russia should uh, protect not only its interests, but also its citizens abroad. Uh, and uh, this is very, very interesting. And the striking, uh, the striking resemblance, actually, a historic resemblance of two cases is between the Russian invasion in Ukraine and uh, the Turkish invasion in Cyprus because uh, we see uh, the same rhetoric, uh, you know, motamo, you know, word by word, the same rhetoric used as regards, you know, the abuse of, of, of uh, the minority and we have to protect them. And this is not an invasion, this is intervention, a special operation now. We don't even, you know, call it war. Um, and uh, of course, uh, in, in, in uh, uh, violation of any previous agreement, uh, and this has to do, you know, both with 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 the Turkish uh, uh, agreement as regards the assurances, but also the uh, Budapest Memorandum uh, for for Ukraine that was signed by the UK, uh, uh, US, uh, Russia, and Ukraine uh, that uh, it would secure its borders from from external uh, attack. Not not Russians attacking. Actually, Russia should help Ukraine if it. Uh, uh, if it would have been attacked in the future, but they attacked really. Mm -hmm. So uh, we see we see the same pattern. Uh, we see the same logic. Uh, we see the same pretext, because obviously uh, 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 Turkey's uh, uh, Turkish uh, rationale uh, behind the invasion uh, was was uh, very very clear and was about domination. Uh, Russian is the same. Uh, so even if someone would be a little bit more sympathetic to Russia as regards Crimea, which again it's a blatant violation of of, of uh, you know the the uh, territorial integrity and national sovereignty of Ukraine, still I mean uh, having a, a, a full fledged war against against Ukraine uh, really reminds a little bit also of, of Adolf Hitler and how he invaded Ukraine, uh, he invaded Poland, and we we had the beginning of World War II in first September of. 1939. So, uh, yes, uh, and I'm very clear in my opinion as uh, who is on the right side of history. Obviously, Turkey in 1974 or Russia in 2022 are in the very, very wrong side of history. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting. And, you know, we, we mentioned different conflicts happening now that are using the same patterns. Uh, and uh, even if we go a little bit further back in history when Turkey invaded Cyprus, it seems as though the world turned a blind eye and it's still doing so in certain areas of the world. Why has there been such a, a, a tremendous focus specifically on the conflict between Russia and Ukraine? Because let's remind everyone, when Russia annexed Crimea, we might also think that nobody really knew about it. I mean, it wasn't as uh, present in the media as this conflict is. Why has this conflict taken up so much attention? Yeah, well, I think it's always a matter of interest. Uh, I have to be very frank uh, with you, despite the fact that I advocate for diplomacy. Usually I say to my students that international relations uh, um, uh, is, is all about, you know, three words, uh, power, uh, power and power. <laughs> so it's national interest and how you will really apply power. Nobody cares, frankly, about international law and, and the, the just cause, uh, not really. So when you're interests are really heard, uh, then then uh, you uh, uh, do something about it. 
So it's different if, if uh, there is a genocide in Rwanda, nobody cares, frankly, at all. Uh, but uh, when you have an invasion of Saddam in Kuwait, and he he probably you know he would be uh, in control of two thirds of, of uh, uh, you know uh, natural resources in the area and and uh, uh, threatening uh, Saudi Arabia oil as well. Of course, the entire world uh, reacted. So it, it is not it is not about who is right or who is wrong, but what is at stake mm-hmm. and what is at stake for each country really. Uh, because we cannot speak about supranational entities, we don't speak about responsibility to protect. This again is a pretext. We we uh, we uh, apply responsibility to protect on a case by case basis. Yes, we will apply it in Libya because we can. We will not apply it in Syria because mm-hmm. we cannot. So or in Myanmar or name. Uh, so uh, uh, why why we did not do anything about that in 2014 when in the, with the annexation of Crimea? Yes, some people would say that um, Crimea had always been Russian. You know, you have probably heard about that with uh, Khrushchev uh, giving it as a gift to Ukraine. And uh, and uh, we can understand Russia that it needs Sevastopol. Without Sevastopol, naval base uh, practically uh, um, has no no big access, no free access, actually, uh, to the Black Sea. It, it is strangled. So we can understand the reaction of the reaction of Russia, and this is how it was portrayed. It was not portrayed as a, as as a, a blunted invasion and, and really illegal occupation. So we try to 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 have it with a pinch of salt, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is the case also with NATO invasion uh, in 1974, in, in uh, with uh, with Turkey invasion uh, in the Cyprus, because Turkey was a NATO country. And as a NATO country was really very, very important during the Cold War. We had the Soviet Union. You know, it, it was not easy to have true sanctions or even a United Nations Security Council resolution applied against Turkey. Mm-hmm. So it was a matter of real politic. So, uh, uh, yes, um, we did not want to really, to really uh, uh, have bad relations with Turkey, to say the least. And uh, this is why uh, you see these double standards. It's very interesting because if we stay on the topic of history repeating itself, I mean, we can definitely apply it in the way certain countries behave with their neighbors, uh, and we see it happening repeatedly. Uh, but when we look at the result that history has uh, has shown us, for example, in Turkey and Cyprus, where absolutely nothing has been done, uh, when we look at, for example, uh, what we mentioned before in Armenia uh, and Azerbaijan, where nothing has been done, uh, is that telling in what will happen in Ukraine and Russia? Is nothing going to be done? And Crimea, as well as the eastern regions that were recently annexed, again, illegally by, by Russia, are going to remain as is? Uh, I could say for Crimea, most likely. Uh, but I wouldn't bet for uh, uh, the eastern uh, part of Ukraine. So let us let us see why. Actually, uh, it has to do with uh, uh, the local population reaction because uh, I don't foresee you know the Europeans uh, going to Ukraine and fighting for Ukraine, as I don't foresee anybody fighting for Cyprus uh, except the Greeks, of course, uh, if there is really a war. So uh, um, you have to fight yourself. If you want uh, to 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 uh, liberate the occupied territories, uh, 
Palestinians know that, uh, uh, Cypriots know that, everybody who had ever, you know, occupied territories uh, know that. Now, what is the difference in Ukraine? Ukraine is a huge country. It's twice as big as Italy. And, uh, you know, Crimea uh, had a majority of Russians, really, not Russian speaking, Russians, mm -hmm. ethnically Russians. Uh, and it's easy to, to, to uh, even, you know, uh, um, I have to be politically correct here. I don't want to clear it, but anyway, uh, you can you can have a homogeneous Russian Crimea, sort of. Uh, you cannot do that, uh, you know, for, for the, the rest of the uh, eastern eastern part. Uh, you have uh, some Russian speaking. You have uh, um, a, a big minority, but still a minority of Russians. Um, you have some pro-Russians, as we, we had seen in, in previous elections, but you don't have solid Russian population. Uh, and I'm talking only, only about the four the four regions that have been annexed, Zaporizhia, Kherson, uh, Lugansk and Donetsk. We should expect in the future, especially with Western help, because West will not fight, but it will support, we can expect, you know, huge reaction on the ground, resistance from the locals. And I think that this is a military blunder, actually, from, from, from the Russians. Uh, it is politically blunder anyway from the very beginning. Why it's political blunder? Because what I mentioned before, the Russian-speaking Ukrainians and the pro-Russian Ukrainians, now they are united. They became Ukrainians against the Russians. And, you know, they have to thank Vladimir Putin for that. Vladimir Putin is responsible for uniting the Ukrainian nation, actually. Mm -hmm. So I think that politically and militarily, we will have reactions in the eastern region of Ukraine. So uh, I, I don't foresee an easy future uh, for 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 uh, Vladimir Putin and Russia because of the resistance, because of Ukrainians themselves, not because the international community will somehow intervene. The best that the international community uh, uh, can do is what it's been doing actually right now, which is you know coercive diplomacy through mainly sanctions. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the other thing is to, to intervene militarily and nobody wants to do that in the West mm -hmm. for many reasons, mm -hmm. including the, the possibility of nuclear confrontation. So I, I think that Crimea is lost. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that uh, because for, for almost everybody, you know, uh, uh, Crimea should never be recognized as part of Russia. However, for the Eastern provinces, we might see you know, a different future. Probably uh, returning to Ukraine with a sort of autonomy, uh, probably being in Russia with sort of autonomy uh, uh, that, that allows for, for Ukrainians to feel free. I, I, really, I really cannot be sure because right now we have huge escalation from both sides. So right now, anything that has to do with diplomacy is out of question. Even His Highness, you know, Mohammed bin Zayed that went there uh, as, as a mediator, I don't think that he can achieve a lot of things. So in the end, we will see after a while if the Eastern question, the Eastern regions can be solved in another way. Mm -hmm. But for Crimea, I'm very, very, very pessimistic. Do you think the sanctions are working over there? Frankly, sanctions never work anywhere. <laughs> the, the one exception maybe was Iran when the entire world imposed, not when mm. the Americans imposed, yeah. but when on board you had also China, Russia, everybody. 
this is probably the only case of sanctions I can think of that sanctions work. They they never worked for Cuba. They never worked for Myanmar. They never worked. I mean, give me give me an example. So it's never, 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 never. You, sanctions cannot work, especially now when you have sanctions against a country that has very good trade partnership and relations with China and India with 3 billion people, I mean, okay, sanction them. You, you, you cannot you cannot uh, achieve anything. You will hurt yourself practically. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are mm-hmm. some things that hurt Russia. It's true. But in the long, in the long term, you know, uh, it is vital for Russia to have Crimea, of course. And now I think that they should keep up appearances as regards the eastern regions. So I don't think that, you know, they, that, that, that Russia would really bend over sanctions. It's too resilient mm-hmm. to bend over sanctions. So if sanctions aren't working and if diplomacy is somewhat absent, I mean, we've seen many countries attempt. None have actually done anything except maybe a little bit. Uh, uh, Turkey has come into the game and they've sort of kind of managed something, uh, but not totally effectively. Uh, so if that doesn't work and if sanctions aren't working, then uh, what's uh, what's the solution over here? What are we looking at? First of all, we are looking at the um, at a stalemate, probably for uh, a little while or for a long, long, long uh, conflict with attrition. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, again, I'm not I'm not optimistic at all as regards as regards Ukraine and what we're going to see in the future. Definitely, I don't see any diplomatic solution in the near future. Uh, and uh, allow me, if one country may play a role there, could be UAE. Uh, or even Saudi Arabia, but mm-hmm. not not Turkey. Not Turkey for many reasons, uh, because Turkey, uh, despite the fact that it's a member of NATO, uh, has done so many things to uh, alienate itself from the uh, from the West that uh, nobody wants to really uh, uh, um, support uh, its role as a mediator. Uh, I, I, the, I think I have this impression that West is really very disappointed with with Turkey. And I say West, I don't say NATO or EU uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, However, you can see, for example, uh, the East Med Gas Forum, uh, which is practically a European slash Middle Eastern thing. And uh, it it excludes only Turkey, frankly. So you have, you know, the Italians, the the Greeks, the Cypriots, the French, the Egyptians, the Israelis being there, Egyptians, Israelis, Palestinians together, even Jordanians, all of them are together. Only one country, it's not there, and this is Turkey. So, uh, and Turkey is not very much liked, as you see in the U.S., uh, you hear every day what's going on with with, with, uh, our friend, uh, you know, uh, uh, Merendez and and, uh, his... his, uh, 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 his uh, uh, actually point of view, uh, which uh, uh, I really like, not because I'm Greek, but because it's really just uh, mm-hmm. that has to do with 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 uh, uh, with uh, Turkey, Turkey um, violating all the rights of all the neighbors, and we need to do something about it. So it's not only about the F-16s. Anyway, uh, uh, I think that uh, that uh, Turkey cannot really play a role. Uh, Turkey simply is, is is useful because it's huge. It's a huge market and the second greatest army in numbers in, in NATO. So you cannot really push it 
to to the other side to 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 uh, you know Vladimir Putin or I don't know Z uh, uh, in China or whatever. You need somehow Turkey, uh, but nobody likes Turkey right now. Nobody, frankly. The there were some suggestions that uh, that uh, that that came out of the news recently to the effect that perhaps the American president might want to reach out and have a discussion with Vladimir Putin. Do you think that will ever happen? I I, I uh, doubt it very very much, uh, especially when you have the escalation that we had two days ago. Mm. So with with the bombing of the Kerch Bridge. And uh, you know the, the the retaliation against civilians in Kiev, it's very hard. I mean, even the time is not right. Mm -hmm. In the mm -hmm. end, we might see something like this, uh, but again, is it is it easy to happen? Or I foresee this happening, uh, especially in the near future. No way, and no way because uh, uh, also the president of the United States must must show actively its support for for Ukraine. As a reminder, U U.S. is one of the uh, of the countries that signed the Budapest Memorandum. So uh, the borders, the borders of, of Ukraine, are mm, somewhat, you know, also the the responsibility of of the U.S. And by the way, even the Minsk uh, uh, the the Minsk Agreement for the frozen conflict in the eastern uh, in the eastern uh, regions uh, in the Donbas. Uh, practically, you have two other important European countries that that are stakeholders, and it's France and Germany. So you had France, and you have you have France, you have France, and you have Germany, and you have UK, and you have US. All of them somehow they they are involved in the protection of Ukraine, and nobody does anything. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. right now, with whatever we see, with the annexation of four 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 uh, regions that that belong to Ukraine, apart from from Crimea or besides Crimea, to 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 have discussions of the, the U.S. president with Vladimir Putin, I, I don't think it's a wise move anyway. Mm -hmm. I want to get back to uh, to what you're saying about Turkey, uh, and it's important because um, as they're gearing up for an election early next year, uh, tensions have been rising, provocations have uh, have been rising as well in the Eastern Mediterranean, which is not something that is uncommon uh turkish provocations whether it's uh, uh uh through territorial waters or through airspace this is something that is very common uh, however it feels as though this year uh has been brought up to another level we saw uh greek prime minister uh, addressing uh, the 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 us congress and shortly after that uh, the turkish president saying that he wants nothing to do with him anymore and that he's good as dead to him uh, and that relations were over uh and, and it just seems to be escalating um there are uh threats little literally threats coming out of turkey with respect to uh, the access to those islands in the aegean I want to ask you because you have a direct experience as a naval captain and as an advisor to the to to Greece's uh, defense department. This whole situation uh, is this going to uh, be perpetually like this? Is there ever going to be a, a resolution? Uh, you also mentioned Turkey being kind of sidelined by all the other partners in the region, um, and to be honest, Turkey could be an important partner in the region as well. So. What does the future hold in the in in the region, specifically in the Eastern Mediterranean? Uh, with one word, bleak. The future is bleak. So uh, let me elaborate a little bit as regards Turkey and uh, uh, what we have seen. It's different than in the past. 
So uh, uh, every day we have provocations, but the rhetoric uh, uh, in this pre-election period, I would say, uh, is unprecedented. Uh, so we have practically, you know, uh, threats of war every single day. Expressions like "we will come suddenly one night." Uh, that is this uh, is, is notorious uh, in Greece. We even we even you know uh, laugh with this uh, nowadays because it has been said so many times. So the thing is that Turkey has, on the one hand, its own issues. It has its elections. It has an electorate with. 25% being ultra-nationalists, either the good party of Axenair or Bachelis MHP. So we're talking about 25%, one out of four. It's not simply, you know, right wing or whatever. They're ultra-nationalists. We mm -hmm. have to highlight this. And this is what will give the victory to the next president. So they need this rhetoric. But is it only the rhetoric? No. They have in the last years also this, this strategy of, 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 of the blue homeland, the Mavimatan. Uh, uh, so they have this idea. They built some capabilities, military capabilities, the famous corvettes that they have that are kind of stealthy, the Belgian ones. They have also the UAVs, the Bayraktar that we saw them in action. They try... To, to show that they are really, really a, a, a regional, not to say a global player. So they have this built up. They have, they have practically participated in all conflicts around because they are expansionist. They are revisionist state. So they speak openly about, you know, treaties that, that were unfair to Turkey and they should change. And they intervened in Syria, in Iraq, in Libya, in, uh, you know, Nagorno-Karabakh and, of course, they would have intervened in Greece if in Greece did not have uh, 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 such such a good actually uh, armed forces and ready armed forces to answer. I have no no doubt about that because they know that that NATO uh, cannot do anything. It's 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 a NATO country versus another NATO country, so it will stay idle as it, it has stayed in the past. So they have this this build up. They have this strategy. And also, they have this rhetoric, but we can explain the rhetoric due, uh, uh, as regards, you know, uh, uh, due to the, 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 the elections. However, it's the first time that they think that their capabilities are strong. They have hostile intentions, open hostile intentions, and they are also afraid that this window of opportunity that they have will, uh, 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 will diminish in the future. Why? Because Greece starts to have a strategic advantage as regards weapon systems in the air and at sea with the Rafale, with F-35s that they're going to, to come, with, with F-16s that are already modernized, the Greek ones, you know, with, with the frigates that uh, Greece will, will purchase from France. So the, the entire balance of power in the Aegean and Eastern Mediterranean will change. And Turkey understands that without naval supremacy, not even superiority, they cannot play the role they want in the Eastern Mediterranean and the Aegean. Actually, they think half of the Aegean is theirs. Anyway, so 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 for all these reasons, we have a different quality threat than in the past. And again, we have to be, first of all, very, very clear that we are talking here about, about an ally that is not an ally. It's an enemy, an enemy that 
threatens every single day. And this is, by the way, illegal. Mm-hmm. The threat of mm-hmm. war is illegal. You know, you and charter. But but they do it, and nobody nobody uh, uh, does anything. Especially NATO. NATO is 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 so silent. But isn't 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 that fascinating? Isn't that fascinating that you have two allies uh, that have been at each other's uh, necks for for as long as anyone can remember? Um, you would think that NATO would actually step in, and I don't think they need mediation, but at least try to calm the situation uh they're just keeping themselves uh, uh out of it and saying look figure it out make sure uh it's peaceful and uh like they're they're, they're using you know the, the standard lines that everyone has been uh, hearing for so many years well it's 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 hard as i explained because of the because of the geopolitical position of turkey You know, Turkey is, is a country of 85 million, you know, key to, to the Middle East, uh, you know, uh, controlling uh, the Straits, which is the, the key to the Black Sea, which is the key to, to Russia and or Ukraine. So you cannot really, uh, you cannot really mm, insist. Uh, uh, what we see for the first time is Turkey is so defiant. They don't care. I mean, they, they, uh, um, uh, they really... Threaten as well, you know, the French, for example, or sometimes even the U.S. So this this is uh, hubris, frankly. Mm-hmm. They don't have the power to do so. Uh, but 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 NATO and and believe me, I don't know what I would I would do if I were, you know, a NATO advisor to to the to the uh, general secretary. I don't think that they can do much. They actually need Turkey right now, and 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 they can probably condemn something. You know, say no and. Obviously, they will say, try to have peace and you are allies and you should be friends. But really, this is simply, you know, simply uh, some advice or, or pep talk or nothing that has to do with, with real life. They know what is the situation, but they cannot, they cannot really support uh, Greece. Wouldn't an armed conflict in the Mediterranean completely discredit NATO? For sure, but I don't think that we are talking about uh, uh, anyway about a, a conflict in, in the Mediterranean. Um, I think that uh, uh, Turkey tries to push as much as possible uh, for uh, revision of, of uh, uh, certain treaties uh, in order to get uh, um, a, a peace, a big peace, or all of the cake actually, uh, as regards energy in the Eastern Mediterranean. Uh, but uh, I don't, I don't uh, foresee actually a war. I don't foresee a war because uh, uh, NATO could not handle such a situation. EU could not handle such a situation, and uh, uh, nobody would like to have a war while you have, you know, this thorn in your back, which is Ukraine. So uh, even Turkey knows that, and they know that if they if they move to such such a thing as as an open war with Greece right now they will have much more enemies than friends in the end. So uh, uh, NATO definitely wants, wants you know, to, to, uh, to have uh, uh, an equal distance between the two countries, which, of course, if one is the aggressor and the other, you know, tries to defend himself, is very, very unfair. Uh, uh, but still, uh, uh, if, if there is an armed conflict this time, uh, I think that uh, you, you, can, uh, you will see some support. 
some support from NATO countries, not from NATO as an organization. Mm-hmm. NATO as an organization probably will cease to exist after something like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I expect some more support from US. I am sure about uh, support of France. So and and I think that Turkey knows that. And they know also that Greece has support now from other countries which are important and people do not pay that much attention, uh, like Egypt uh, or like uh, like uh, UAE, United Arab Emirates, that is a player. Uh, so uh, let us let us let us wait and see. I think that by pushing, by pushing, they try they try to to you know uh, uh, actually set the agenda. You know, in negotiations, this is what we call anchoring. Mm-hmm. When you, mm-hmm. you you want to meet with someone, first you start stating, you know, uh, this is my price or uh, this is what I want or these are my demands. So there is a basis on which, you know, the two parties discuss. So you set the agenda. Uh, uh, Turks want to set the agenda and they want to set the agenda in a very revisionist, you know, way. Uh, speaking also, of they've, all, they've, they've also been very... Uh, successful in setting the agenda on many aspects, especially the the, the refugee crisis in Syria. Uh, they have managed to position themselves quite strategically and intelligently in getting uh, a lot of funding and subsidies from the EU, for example. And, and I wanted to get to that point because of the experience you have as a naval captain in Turkey's instrumentalizing of the refugee crisis uh, and flooding these refugees into Europe as a, literally as a weapon. Yeah. And practically, because Erdogan, you know, he's 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 Erdogan. I mean, it's a, you you cannot you cannot compare him with anybody else. It's a, he's a little bit crazy. He's very arrogant. Uh, so he even said that you know I will flood Europe with with migrants. He even threatened Europe. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was a blackmail, and everybody knows that. Uh, so uh, let me let me tell you uh, a story which is a true one. And uh, I never said that uh, before, so you, you will have this uh, uh, exclusivity. Uh, when I was an naval officer and we had this discussion about the, the, the NATO activity, we did not call it operation, activity to stem the, the, the irregular migration in Greece uh, uh, through Turkey, of course. You know, when NATO really intervened, and when we closed the, the, the northern borders, you know, uh, uh, with the with, uh, Balkan countries, then really we had some success. I am in a meeting with, with a Turkish naval officer, both of us senior officers, and he starts by uh, boasting, you know, uh, the, the big success of, of the activity is because, you know, uh, Turkey and its Coast Guard is really, really good. And we can we can uh, 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 keep uh, you know uh, we, we have a vigilant eye and we can really you know stop everybody and we are great and this is due to us we 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 did that expecting that the Greek officer that was me at the time will say come on no we have our ships there it's NATO there everybody contributes so when it was my turn I say and I would like to congratulate you know uh, uh, Turkish Coast Guard because practically they are doing most of the job. And he was a little bit puzzled. Mm-hmm. And I say, which proves that if they had wanted, they would have done this before the agreement. So practically, they turn a blind eye and they send all these refugees to Europe. So thank you very much for admitting that if you want to, to keep them you know, in Turkey, you can do it. And you simply don't. 
And it was it was really funny, you know, I saw the reaction of my colleagues there. It was really funny. But it is also true because Turkey uses, you know, the, the human pain, frankly, uh, as a weapon. Uses refugees as a weapon. Children and uh, women, and then and then says, you know, uh, you know, there's uh, in in Aegea and people get drowned. I mean, really, <laughs> really, and points the finger to Greece. This finger pointing is is really crazy. If someone sees, you know, Greek Coast Guard and how many lives have been saved, it's it's the numbers are amazing. But I think we have also as 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 Greeks, we have a problem with our marketing, with our PR. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, all these operations should have been out there. The numbers should have been out there. So people people should know that that the Greek Navy and the Greek Coast Guard, you know, and then Greek people tried and saved and have been saving and continue to save literally thousands of people. I think I think we all had clear images of that uh, two, three years ago at the height of the conflict in, in Syria, uh, during which uh, it's important to remind everyone that there was practically a conflict at the border of Thrace uh, with uh, with Turkey, where that's where we were confronted, I think, visually and very concretely of the dangers uh, that uh, Turkey has been instrumentalizing uh, these refugees with. Yeah, and, and uh, Turkey, Turkey really, uh, um, and you know, it's, 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 it's a pity that I don't have, you know, a, a Turk uh, colleague here to 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 to, to listen to his uh, opinions. Usually, when I go to, uh, you know, the um, the uh, uh, Arab uh, Arab channels like the the Sky News Arabia, usually there is a Turk uh, with me and we discuss, and it's good, you know. I I I want to hear their opinion, frankly, but. But here and without without having this this idea of, of of having a polemic against Turkey, they instrumentalize you know the most sacred things, you know the human human life as regards you know the migration issue, uh, religion. They politicize religion and and they they Islamize their politics. They really play with with the most basic fundamental you know principles of of people. And 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 uh, uh, they also blackmail, which 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 can can give you some advantages in the beginning, uh, and you can say that uh, that it's for your your interest, self interest, so it's good, but it's for your myopic self interest, because in the end, in the long run, you need to cooperate, and you cannot cooperate really uh, with people that you have been blackmailing for a long time. You cannot cooperate. Uh, with 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 people that you have been threatened for a long time. So in in the end, I think it will backfire. But I cannot tell you when. Right now, uh, you know, Turks seem to win the day, but but actually they don't. I wanna uh, just before we finalize because uh, and of course I'm not an expert, but from the very little that we follow from uh, here in Canada, um, it seems as though the Greek government has taken this pivotal turn in. Uh, completely transforming uh, its position and its policies. And we're seeing record numbers of uh, foreign investments and agreements in the area to boost economic relations and exchanges and trade uh, agreements. Do you believe that that is perhaps maybe a new strategy of turning Turkey around and having Turkey put aside you know this whole side that we've been discussing all this time and 
having it focus more towards uh, an area that everyone can agree on, which is beneficial to all countries in the region, in the region. It is true that even in the darkest days and the, the, the days that we had the worst problems with Turkey, uh, the uh, uh, Turkey has been and is still a very important trade partner. So we have economic cooperation. And there are some situations that are win-win. For instance, you know, uh, if there is if there is a big investment in the uh, in the GNC or the uh, Eastern Mediterranean, uh, we can both take advantage of it. And we know. So uh, boosting the economy uh, is, is good also for our national interest. Uh, however, we can never match, you know, uh, uh, Turkey as a market market. Uh, Turkey will always be more important. And I think that in the end, again, Turkey, because it's such a big market of, of 85 million people, uh, they don't care that much about this win-win situation, uh, even if, if it is, it's true, uh, because they, they think that uh, 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 they, their fair share is something like 90% of the Aegean of the, of the Eastern Mediterranean, so, and they don't want to, to uh, have any compromise. So I don't think that, that economy will play a role in, in a rapprochement between the two countries. I don't think so. Uh, but it's always good for Greece, uh, especially when Greece uh, spends a lot of money for, for its defense. Uh, uh, we need we need to, to have a boost in our economy. I think that this government, and I can be very critical in, in many other aspects of the government, in, in the three main domains, which is economy, defense, and foreign affairs, uh, gets a, a really good grade. Uh, well, there are problems in Greece, and I, again, I can be very, very critical in another discussion about the Greek government, uh, but, the, but, but the big picture is good. Uh, and I think that uh, everybody understands that and, and uh, appreciates that, uh, at least, you know, from, from the perspective of, of a scholar of, or of a Greek that lives, lives abroad. Very interesting. Cleanthes, uh, I want to thank you uh, for the time that you took to address our our, our, our audience. I think it was a, a really, really great discussion with a lot of value that you brought on, and I appreciate it. Um, I want to thank you again, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in once again and reminding them that they can find every other episode on any audio platform as well as YouTube. Thank you so very much, Cleanthes. Uh, Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for the kind invitation. Uh, I hope that uh, I enlightened, you know, some some uh, some some audience that probably don't know that much about about Greece and about Turkey and about the situation in the in the uh, East Med and in the Aegean. And uh, I hope that uh, we will talk again uh, soon, as we say here in Shana. Thank you so much. Looking forward to that. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Strategy International podcast, produced by PodMTL for Strategy International. Feel free to subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere fine podcasts can be found.